Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jenny, and I'm here with my host, Anna. And today's episode is a tiny bit different than some of the episodes we've done so far. We're going to be talking today about food traditions around the holidays, and we're going to share some of our food traditions in our families, and hopefully it just is inspiring to you to revive maybe an older tradition in your family or to implement something maybe that your mom did for you or to start your own brand new tradition in around holidays or the wintertime or anytime. So one food tradition that is one that we have in my family are rolls. So for Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, other dinners, we have a specific roll recipe I have super fond memories of my grandma making these rolls and then putting them out in a, a room outside where it's cool. She'd make them the day before. And then like if one of her granddaughters, you know, made the rolls for that particular dinner, then it was kind of like always really warmly and kindly compared to like, are they like Graham's rolls? You know, are they, Aww. have they as risen as well? And now that my sister and my cousin, the three, girls in the family. We don't live in the same place. We have a group chat where we send like pictures of like my sister just sent us a picture of Thanksgiving. Like she was making our grandma's rolls for Thanksgiving. And, you know, same my cousin lives in Nevada. She sends us pictures of like, yeah, now I've got Graham's rolls made. So even if we aren't celebrating together, and in fact, rarely now as adults, are we celebrating all together? But that that roll recipe is kind of a, a cool tradition in our family. And I bet that many families out there have a roll recipe or a bread recipe that is is like grandma's recipe or, you know, your favorite aunt's recipe that is just a, a warm and fuzzy, wonderful recipe. And I should have mentioned we're going to try and include as many of the recipes as we can in the show notes. So you can definitely check that out on our websites. You can find our show notes on either of our websites to see these recipes. Anna, do you want to share one of your traditions? Yeah. Okay. So I'm so excited for this episode because I really feel like Jenny said, a lot of times when you grow up and you leave home and you have your own families, these food traditions can get lost. And I feel like holidays is one of the time where we wax nostalgic. Mm. We think all of those wonderful memories, hopefully. And if not, you can create your own Mm -hmm. food memories uh, with your own family if you didn't grow up with, you know, that type of nostalgia. So in my family, I've told you before on this podcast that I grew up in Alaska. And one of the things that we would have at almost any winter holiday gathering was smoked salmon dip. Mm. You know, during the summer, we would can and 
freeze and smoke salmon. And in the winter, we would freeze these little packages of smoked salmon and we would open one up. And it's probably about, I would say, maybe like eight ounces of smoked salmon. And you would mix it with cream cheese, a little bit of mayo, and you would eat it with like Ritz crackers. And it's super basic, really simple, but just the flavor of that just brings me right back home. And I just really, I wax nostalgic about that. That is amazing. And I, as a person who did not grow up in Alaska, I think that is so interesting and awesome that that, like just that salmon thread just runs through your food preservation journey and your food tradition journey. That's, that's so interesting. And I was thinking about this little recipe like you could make your own mayo. You could church this up and make it as bougie as you wanted, or you can eat it totally. with plain old cream cheese, best foods mayo, and the good old Ritz cracker. That sounds dynamite. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely make it more bougie, but it's just so basic. And so delish, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one food tradition in my family, specifically around Christmas, is my mom's wonderful sister, Aunt Carol. She has since passed, but she made peanut butter balls, which apparently have a different name, uh, but we always called them peanut butter balls growing up. And it's just peanut butter, butter, powdered sugar. And we always would double the batch so that we would have like <laughs> a huge amount of the, are these called Black Eyed Susans where they're? Is that what they're called? I yeah. don't know. I don't know what they're called other than <laughs> other than peanut butter balls. But they're peanut butter, butter, powdered sugar mixed together in a mixer. And it's so it's such a big batch when you double it, you have powdered sugar going everywhere. It's kind of a <gasps> nuisance. And then you roll them into balls that are like an inch and a half across. And then using a toothpick, you painstakingly dip them into a chocolate that's melted over a double broiler with Crisco, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then they're coated in chocolate. You put them on a cookie sheet or on wax paper, freeze them or get them really cold. And then those are my Christmas peanut butter balls. So there was like a little bit of a time where my siblings and I had grown, but we didn't really have our own families yet. And we like... You know, like when you have those holidays where you don't, nobody has any little kids, but you aren't kids yourselves anymore. That really yeah. is like a lull in family life. <laughs> I feel like, like <laughs> it's just not as much fun um, without kids around. We didn't make them for a few years and we, it was like, well, who's going to make these peanut butter balls? Like somebody needs to make them because it would just didn't feel like Christmas without these chocolate peanut butter balls. But they are, they are delicious. If you love peanut butter and you love sweets, they're good. They're just, they're good. It just does take, it's, it's a little bit of a chore to make them. And maybe now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe if we just made one batch, that would make more sense. <laughs> well, that's always the way that it is, isn't it? Like you make a giant batch and everybody helps and maybe it's not as big of a chore, but then when it's like a smaller group, you're like, why are we still making 9,000 peanut butter balls? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I know, but, uh, but when we didn't, we missed them. So I think I'm going to have to do it. Someone's going to have to do it this year too. What is another um, food tradition from your family, Anna? Yeah. So since I got married, my husband's family is from Idaho and Utah, and their food traditions are different. In Bucky's family, they love candy and sweets. Mm. And one of their traditions is making hard candy. And you make it in like a eight by eight pan and 
then you crack it and, oh. and it's just in a little bag. I'm trying to think of how, anyway, I just remember seeing it always on the countertop and it's either cinnamon or anise flavored or clove. Mm. And those flavors really remind me of the holidays and they're just kind of fun to like walk past and just be sucking on a hard candy. And I'm sure it's terrible for our teeth, but it just tastes so good. Uh, that's a, that's so specific, like candy making. That is, that is really a, a thing that takes a little bit of skill and practice for sure. Yeah. I've never made it myself, but when I go to visit my in-laws, they usually have some. Oh, that's so wild. That's neat. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches super fast steam canning at startcanning.com. Use the code POD25, that's P-O-D-25, to get 25% off those courses today. Another food tradition that I think a lot of families in America can relate to that probably seems so bizarre to other people in other places is the good old-fashioned <laughs> jello salad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the one that my gram always made is layered with red and green jello and whipped cream. And I know some families had crushed pineapple in theirs mm -hmm. and some don't do layers and some have other fruit in the whipped cream. But I remember just the red and green and white with the crushed pineapple and the whipped cream. Did you guys do jello salad? My mother-in-law makes that every Christmas Great. and but she doesn't put pineapple in the whipped cream. I think it's just red, green, and white, and that's it. But my grandma on my mom's side, my mother's mother, she would make all kinds of jello, like oh. shredded carrots in orange jello. <laughs> the height of sophistication, which I'm so grateful has been left by the wayside, but just some of those like foods that are like, oh, cool, <laughs> but have not stood the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. The gel, the whole gelatin craze was a really wild one. And there's so many, I bet, I bet many families have some sort of gelatin dessert that is like, why did we put jello on that? But, uh, <laughs> but it really, to me, really signals the holidays and it really is like, in my family, even if you didn't necessarily really want a slice of jello salad, like you put one on your plate. Because Graham made it, she makes it every year. We're all eating a yeah. little jello salad. Yeah. And why is it called a salad? Why is it a salad? Well, my grandma put carrots in it, so it's probably <laughs> that. <laughs> That's wild. My mom had a recipe that wasn't a jello salad, but it's kind of similar. It was a frog eye salad. What? Is it tapioca? No, it's Asini de Pepe, the little teeny pastas. Oh. They're super hard to find in the grocery store now, but you cook it and then there's like a bunch of fruit, there's marshmallows, and then you also add a, uh, oh, it's kind of like a simple syrup thing that you put with it. And then you let it sit overnight and it just like all the flavors go together. It's like so delicious to me. It's like a big hug from my mother. She used to make, I mean, 
the biggest bowl of it. The recipe that I'll share in my show notes, you'll be like, why is it that much? (laughs) We did have a large family. Like I grew up with nine siblings, so that's why, but you could half or even quarter that. (laughs) That that is amazing. I have never heard of that. That's so wild. Really? Sometimes I see it in grocery stores and they'll add like maybe pistachios or something to it. And it's usually green. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. I will have to check that out. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So we've covered jello salad. (laughs) (laughs) One other tradition from my family is homemade Kahlua. So Kahlua is a coffee flavored liqueur. And as Anna so aptly put it before we hit record, she said it was an anti-Mormon drink, which I think is so (laughs) hilarious. And I can't say that that's wrong. I mean, it isn't anti-anybody, but it is for a particular type of person who wants to have a flavored, easy, homemade liqueur. And it's easy because you make it with instant coffee and vodka that you buy at the like just off the shelf and my mom would make it and then decant it into grolsch bottles those are the brown bottles that have the bale i think is what it's called that little metal contraption and the ceramic lid with a little rubber seal oh mm-hmm. yeah they're cool bottles and she would really she would do it before christmas like as soon as december 1st if not sooner so that when she gifted it at Christmas time to friends or, you know, whomever with a cute red bow on it. It was, it had sat on the shelf and sort of developed its flavor. And it is really good in whipped cream. So like I would put like a tablespoon or two in the cream that I'm going to whip to go with pumpkin pie or to go with. Um, uh, Okay. If you're a person who doesn't imbibe, you can just imagine the smell of coffee and it's just like a coffee scented and heavily tasting alcoholic thick drink you don't want to drink too much of it because it has actually kind of a lot of sugar it would give you a wicked headache but (laughs) as in moderation and as a cooking additive this Kahlua is really great and to me it's it's uh really says Christmas time or the holidays in my family I love that we don't have a specific I mean I guess growing up we always had like ginger ale ginger ale like Canada dry oh yeah 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 we just we usually had like ginger ale at Christmases and at New Year's. Oh, sweet. So you know what I thought of? We didn't put this on the list before we recorded, but another beverage that is classic gathering food tradition for my family is my grandma's punch. And it's half 7-Up, half 100% cranberry juice. Oh, yum. Uh, It is. It's good and it's bubbly and it feels like you're like at the kid table you know, do you feel like you're drinking something fancy? And yeah, I always try and remember to have that and mix it for holidays. It's just, it's a good, like festive and very, obviously very easy and cheap punch to make. Cute. And then the last item on our list is using preserves as hors d'oeuvres or appetizers. And Anna is the queen of the pepper jelly game. What kinds of jams or jellies do you preserve to put out on your hors d'oeuvre or appetizer plate? Yeah. So we usually do some type of veggie tray and I will have pickled beets and also dill pickles and bread and butter pickles. 
along with, you know, like fresh baby carrots or fresh carrots that are sliced and peppers and, you know, just things that you could dip in maybe like a ranch dip. I do that. And then I don't know, in the last two years, I've really gotten into pepper jellies and specifically like spicy pepper jellies Mm. because my family loves them. Bucky's family tolerates them. And my my side of the family, I mean, they're just like, make it hotter. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So my family isn't into spicy, but I like it. Like my but my kids are young. You know, as they get older, we'll be able to tolerate more spicy stuff. But like we would definitely open either a jar of salsa. Like, which does not thematically go at all with Christmas dinner, but whatever. <laughs> Salsa or a jar of pickles or dilly beans. Dilly beans is a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would add those like to the hors d'oeuvres or appetizer plate. And pickles. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, the dilly beans, the cucumber pickles, and that. Salsa are the three that I thought of that we would open up a jar of for get-togethers or nicer, fancier get-togethers. Yeah. I love any pickled vegetable ever. Like, I love it all. Okay. So I wanted to ask about pickled beets. I feel like beets must be very family-specific because they're kind of one of those divisive vegetables that, like, either you love them or you hate them. Nobody in my family eats beets, cooks beets. We don't do any beet growing. Like, to (laughs) me, a beet is very, not foreign, but, like, I know people where I live love them and grow them, but... We must not have any matriarch in my family that likes beets because I wouldn't know how to pickle a beet. I don't know anything about beets, but you would have them on an order of plate. Yeah. And I actually didn't eat a beet until I was probably 31 years old. What? Do they? Okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because my family never ate them. I always saw them as like this really weird thing, like sometimes on salads that we people would put on a weird canned pickled beet. And I was always just like shoving it off the side or whatever. And then I ate at a restaurant and they had a warm goat cheese with beet salad uh-huh. with like a orange vinaigrette. Was it amazing? It was life changing. I was like, these beets are so good. Like I have never eaten them before in my life, but then I really embraced it. And now it's one of my favorite salads to make like with arugula and wow. romaine. Anyway, so then I also found a pickled beet recipe in the ball canning book, and it had all these spices, mm-hmm. right? Like this and cinnamon and whole cloves. I actually don't like those flavors. So I took the herbs out, and now it's just, I think it's like two cups of water, two cups of vinegar, and two cups of sugar. So you just make it like less of a sweet flavor and more just pickled. Yeah, like I didn't really like those spices that they had, like those warming spices that are cinnamon, clove, and anise. So I took those out and now I love it. I love having pickled beets on salads. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. It is a very specific thing and not everybody likes it. Right. And I think it probably has to do or can originate if if you grow it in your garden, then you are a beet person, probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's wild. I must, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I need to dive into beets. Have you ever tried them? I mean, I've tried a beet. I remember a friend, Regina, made such a good roasted beet salad one time at a, I think we were at book club and I thought, my God, this is such a good beet. But I just, it's not part of my family food tradition. So I just don't know anything about cooking the dang things. 
but I obviously should probably try. Yeah, they're so good. When you were talking about the spices and stuff, I remember at a local little like little diner in our town, uh, it's called Bob's Ranch House. On the garnish on the plate, they would have these, maybe they aren't pickled, but I, I think they might be. They're the spiral cut apple rings or apple slices. And they were kind of like a sweet and sour pickle. And I remember thinking those were so good as a kid. And I have wanted to preserve that, but I just never have made the time or I just haven't ever done it. But I should add that to my list for next year. Because hmm. they're spiced with cinnamon and like a, li- like a little, it's like a sweet and sour apple pickle. But they were always cut in that spiral. You know, like if you have the, the spiral cutter that clamps to your countertop and peels them and slices them yeah. all at once. That's how they were done. And I don't, now that I'm saying it out loud, I don't know if they those were homemade or what, but they really stick in my mind. Were they bright red? Like, was it the cinnamon red hot? Mm, I don't remember. They weren't spicy like that, probably. They were cinnamony. They had a c- strong cinnamon taste, but I can't remember if they were dyed red or not. Because there's a, a canning recipe in the ball book that's red hot yeah. apple yes. slices. Yes, I have seen that recipe and thought that that would be the closest one because they put those little red hot candies in it, right? Yeah, yeah. A great way to get that really intense cinnamon flavor. Yeah. That's to add to the to-do list for sure. (laughs) Beets and uh, pickled apples to add to my food traditions. But anyway, my friends, our listeners, we want to thank you so much for being listeners all this time. Anna and I are loving creating these podcast episodes for you. It's honestly so fun. And uh, we just thought it would be a cool episode to share some of our food traditions and hopefully to inspire you to revive or roll up your sleeves and make that double batch <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of jello salad for your families. Thanks, everybody. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.